0: And on this week's show, we take a look at the teams that have made it to the group stage of this season's CAF Champions League, with clubs from Botswana and South Africa there for the first time. Also, we speak to the Nigeria national team goalkeeper Daniel Akpey, who plays for Kaiser Chiefs in South Africa. He talks about how hard it is for a goalkeeper in Africa to play outside their country.
1: Uh, when I joined my new club, you know, the experience, a lot of things change about me,
0: about my game. And when I travel abroad, I saw things differently. That's coming later. Lots too on the English Premier League as Manchester United are in a difficult space right now. And we talk about the Ivorian Maxwell Corne, who's impressing at Burnley. But let's start with an update on the Africa Cup of Nations and the Confederation of African Football say that the CAF Executive Committee got a comprehensive report from the CAF Organising Committee delegation who recently visited Cameroon. They say some areas still need urgent attention ahead of the kick-off on the 9th of January. And on the COVID-19 situation and preparations for supporters, the CAF Executive Committee said that they raised what they called some sanitary matters... That will be part of ongoing discussions between CAF and the Cameroon government without going into further details. Right to the CAF Champions League and the 16 teams that will play in the group stage of this season's Champions League were decided last weekend. And Juanang Galaxy of Botswana stunned the much more experienced Simba of Tanzania going through on-away goals. Simba won the first leg 2-0 in Botswana and Juanang Galaxy turned it around with a 3-1 away win in the second leg to qualify for the first time. Asimba As fired their French coach Didier Gomez de Rosa after the exit. And in another big shock, five time winners T P Mazembe of DR Congo were knocked out by South Africa's Amazulu, who were in the competition for the first time. Amazulu held TP Mazembe to a 1-1 draw in Lubumbashi to win on-away goals. Now Amazulu are coached by South Africa legend Benny McCarthy, former Porto and Blackburn Rovers striker. He won the Champions League as a player with Porto in 2004. And McCarthy spoke about his work ethic after knocking out TP Mazembe.
2: I know sometimes I'm a, I'm a tough coach. I'm a tough father, but it's only because I want the best for my players. I want the best for my kids. And that's why I think when I think they, they need to be more focused, they need to be more concentrated because you can't have the ability, the quality that we have and then we want to be mediocre sometimes. So when I'm, when I'm critical about my team, it's because I know what they have. And I don't want them to lower their standards. And that's why sometimes I am very hard when I criticize and then I say, because I want them to understand that when you play, we have the shortest career. We have 15 years, 20 years max of a career. And you got to make the most of what, what you have, you know. So I don't want them to have any regrets the day they hang up their boots. And that's why I am the way I am. And I saw a football team. About a group of players that's not afraid for anything mentally, and especially what we what we've been through, and to have put in a performance the way we did, wow! These guys, they the real they the real heroes of Amazulu.
0: So that's South Africa legend Benny McCarthy. Good going for him there, taking Amazulu through to the group stage of the Champions League for the first time. What stood out for you, Ida in qualification for the group stage?
3: Well, Steve, the underdog story is a big one here. And Amazulu qualifying for their first ever CAF Champions League group stage. Well, that was definitely at the top of that, for me at least, you know. And in the process, becoming the seventh team from South Africa to advance beyond the preliminary stages of the competition. And it really was one of the major upsets, because on paper, at least, most would have expected T.P. Mazembe to win. I mean, no one would have thought that the newcomers could bundle out the five-time champions. But the Amazulu goalkeeper, I mean, credit to Veli Motwa, playing a huge, huge part, Stephen. Frankly, what was a masterclass performance. And while Amazulu saying that they were motivated, they were inspired by the Kaiser Chiefs' performance last season in the Champions League and asking themselves that if Chiefs could do that, then why not them as Amazulu? And looking at Neng Galaxy, well, interestingly enough, Steve, Al-Ali coach Pizzo Mosimane played a crucial part in the team shocking Tanzania's Simba. Steve, uh, don't forget that Al Ali and Mosimane suffered a one 0 loss to Simba last season. So suffice it to say that Mosimane knew their style of play and used his experience to help fellow South African Morena Ramoreboli to profile the team. And, well, needless to say, Simba did part ways with uh, Didier Gomez de Rosa after the game. And we will have to wait and see who will take over the reins in terms of head coach. Though it is said that Logarusic, who, you know, has had stints between Kenya, Zimbabwe, well, he seems to be the front runner. And speaking of coaches, Steve, it is encouraging to see that quite a significant number of coaches in the competition's last 16 stage are African. Steve, the next stage will feature 11 African coaches. That's close to 70%. And this is awesome news and really shows that the game, at least to me, is moving within the right direction in the continent.
0: Yes, that's a significant statistic there. Uh, thanks, Ida. Elsewhere, both uh, Angolan teams are qualified for the group stage. That's Petro Atletico and Sagrada Esperanza. And uh, many of the usual North African teams there are the Egyptian size Al Athli and Zamalek. Esperance and Etoile du Sahel of Tunisia and Widad Casablanca and Raja Casablanca of Morocco and Sundowns of South Africa qualifying too. Group stage of the CAF Champions League starts in February. And a qualifying for the 2022 Africa Women's Cup of Nations continues. And in the first round ties in an upset, Tunisia knocked out Egypt, who played at the 2016 finals. Uh, Tunisia yet to play at the finals. And in the Battle of Two Giants, Nigeria beat Ghana 2-1 on aggregate. Ivory Coast beat Niger 11-0 at home for a staggering 20-0 aggregate win. Kenya beat South Sudan 15-1 over the two legs, while Zambia edged Malawi 4-3. And the Gambia beat Sierra Leone 3-1 on aggregate. Second and final round of qualifying is on next February. Your thoughts, Ida?
3: Well, unfortunately for them, well, Ghana do miss out on the Auckland and it will be for only the second time since its start. And it really is a similar situation as well, you know, with the Tunisia-Egypt matchup as well, where we'll see some really giant teams, Steve, in the women's game absent. But on the flip side, it does mean that this might be the chance, you know, for other smaller teams to rise. And Steve, it was really interesting to note, you know, some of these trends and differences, if you will. For example, Nigeria relied heavily on players based abroad. Now, with only seven of the 22 based at home and 15 with clubs either in America or Europe. Now, this was very interesting and different compared to Ghana, who had only four foreign-based players. As for some of these smaller thrashings, well, you know, some of these teams, Steve, are just starting out. Let's look at South Sudan, for example. You know, this is a team that played its first ever international match barely two years ago. So despite how the numbers or, you know, how the optics may look, this actually is progress for the team.
0: Yes, certainly some uh, close ones there and some mismatches as well in the first round of qualifying for the 2022 Africa Women's Cup of Nations. Finals are on in Morocco next year, and the second and final round of qualifying is in February of next year. Well, thanks, Ida. Let's go to social media now here on Planet Sport Football Africa, show brought to you by Passion for Sport. And last week we asked, should there have been more African players on the Ballon d'Or shortlist? Uh, The 30 players shortlisted for the prestigious 2021 Ballon d'Or include only two Africans. That's Riyad Mahrez and Mohamed Salah. Uh, So should there have been more African players nominated for the award for the best player of 2021? Or we asked, is this just a reflection of the state of African football right now. Uh, well everyone who got in touch was unanimous that it shouldn't be only Mares and Salah among those are thirty players on the short list. Uh, Kabat Jalong Sane said there should have been many players for Africa, as some should qualify who play in Africa. Uh, Vincent in Zambia said yes there should be more and Jibola in Nigeria said uh, Salah and Sajo Mane won the league with a superb record for Liverpool and Mendy won the Champions League with a great record with Chelsea and with the most clean sheets during the tournament so he thinking that Mendy and Mane should have been there. Uh, Biswak and Jakwa in Malawi says I think there should have been many names included because many Africans are playing so well. I would love to have seen Chelsea's Edouard Mendy on the list and also Liverpool defender Joel Matip. Uh, Buba Saidi Khan in the Gambia says yes, uh, the two players shortlisted aren't the only ones who deserve it from Africa. And in this voice note, uh, Modu in the Gambia also says there should have been more.
1: Yeah, I'm voting for more African players to be part of the shortlist of the Falando, including Riyad Mahrez, Mohr Sada, even Saja Mahane should be there.
0: Uh, Thanks there to Modu, saying Sadio Mane deserved to be on the Ballon d'Or shortlist. And uh, lots of people saying that Edward Mendy should have been there. Uh, They include Amabu Solomon C. Amen in Nigeria, uh, Patrick Dirisu also in Nigeria, uh, Victor Mukisa Mukuyama in Zambia, and in the Gambia, Sunkaru Bamba So, Aliu Jame and Haruna Cham. And Balong Baji in the Gambia says uh, uh, people should remember that uh, African players have contributed tremendously in making the English Premier League more popular and they should be valued because of this, says Bollong. And uh, Musa Kamara says, uh, I think we should have more African players on the shortlist. Edward Mendy and Sadio Mane deserve to be there. And on another note, Musa says, uh, to be honest, currently I'm not enjoying football because my Manchester United are not doing well. And also on other issues, Dagger St. Augustine in Juba in South Sudan was commenting on the Africa Women's Cup of Nations qualifiers, saying our two Sudans shipped a total of 22 goals without a reply. Uh, Yeah, that's right, Dagger. In the first round, first leg games, Sudan losing 8-0 to Kenya and South Sudan losing 14-0 to Algeria. And from Zambia, Victor Mwikisa Mukuyama, very, very happy about Patson Daka, who had an assist in the 2-1 win against Brentford uh, last weekend, having been scoring in the previous two games, saying hearty congratulations to our legend in the making, says Victor on Patson Daka. Well, thanks very much to everyone who got in touch. Always great to hear from you on social media. This week we're asking, who do you think is the best African striker ever in the English Premier League? So, Mohamed Salah became the highest scoring African player ever in the Premier League. His hat-trick against Manchester United last weekend took him to 107 goals. Uh, Didier Drogba is on 104, the Chelsea and Ivory Coast legend. Uh, Senegal's Sadio Mane on 100 goals. Emmanuel Adebayor, the Togolese, on 97. And Nigeria's Yakubu on 95. Uh, they're the top five scorers. So who would you say is the best African striker ever in the English Premier League? Uh, one of these five, or even players like Nigeria's Wanko Kanu, who who did so well at Arsenal, or Senegal's El Hadji duf You can post a comment on our Facebook page, that's A Planet Sport Football Africa, or send us a WhatsApp to plus 447955232780. That's plus 447955232780. Who do you think is the best African striker ever in the English Premier League? Well, this is Planet Sport Football Africa brought to you by Passion for Sport and still to come, Stuart on the English Premier League and a look at the Africans featuring in the UEFA Champions League this season. You can follow us on Twitter at Planet Sport FA, and you can download our app and listen to the show anytime and access past programmes in our archive. To download, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. Now, going back to Edouard Mendy, uh, very unusual for an African goalkeeper to play for a big team in Europe. Uh, Mendy from Senegal, playing for Chelsea, of course. And it's unusual even for a goalkeeper in Africa to play in another African country. Now We've been talking to Nigeria national teamkeeper Daniel Akpey, who's now 35 and a plays for Kaiser Chiefs in South Africa. Akpe's been through ups and downs with the Super Eagles and helped them to a third-place finish at the 2019 Africa Cup of Nations in Egypt. He's been in South African football since 2015, having joined Chipper United and then moving to Kaiser Chiefs. Also, he won Olympic bronze in 2016 with Nigeria. Well, Daniel Agpe spoke to Planet Sport Football Africa's Oluwashina uh first on how it's not easy for a goalkeeper in Africa to make it outside their country.
1: Well, firstly, I would say it is important how every country develop their football because um, the experience that I have now, I wish I can reduce my age by another (laughs) five years or ten years again or something because... You know, uh, when I joined my new club, you know, the experience, a lot of things change about me, about my game. And when I travel abroad, I saw things differently, you know, from Nigeria where I'm coming from, because I understand I had to learn like all over again, you know. And, um, I keep telling myself that the things that I know now for the past three, four years, if I'd known them earlier while I was 20 or so, maybe I should be somewhere, you know, top class by now. But then, I thank God that I'm still here and um, I've gained much experience and it comes with age. Unfortunately, it has to come with age now. Uh, but then I would want to encourage anyone who is a goalkeeper and uh firstly to try as much as possible to look out for, you know, the background, you know, and go back to grassroots. And we have to have those, you know, coaches who actually understand the grassroots football, you know, to Help out in developing players, developing goalkeepers because it's not really easy. I went through a lot in South Africa. It's not just um, me playing or something. I went through a lot in South Africa, but because of where I'm coming from, I have the bold as I want to stay. I want to fight. I want to learn. You know, I want to improve. And fortunately for me, the coaches they see all of this in me, and uh, they decide to encourage me, and they give me the platform, and I learn from them every day. Even the person that I'm competing. Because I know that he has the background. I don't have the background. So I have to humble myself indirectly to learn every day. And the competition on my team is very tough because the four goalkeepers that are there are all international goalkeepers. And the competition is fierce because, hey, we're not going to have 100% of games. So the game is going to be spilled somehow according to the new technical director. So I think it is better that you have a proper you know, background before you start thinking of, uh, you want to become a number one or something. They refer to you as the pastor. They call you, (laughs) I see, I see you smiling there. I've been around the team in Europe, Africa, and everywhere. You're the prayer warrior. Pastor Dan, are you thinking of life as a pastor after football? (laughs) (laughs) I'm not thinking of life. Uh, I'm not thinking of being a pastor of the football, but just that I love, you know, I love God. I, My life um, has been a Christian life, and I grew up on a Christian background. You know, I love to do things of God. And, you know, when someone is so attached to the things of God like that, it's very easy to tag you a pastor and stuff like that. So I think that is where it comes from. But, you know, all the same, uh, if God says, um, come, Daniel, yeah, um, send me. (laughs) 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 So the team prayer is incomplete without you saying something is this something you enjoy doing or you, sometimes you feel like you're forced to do it uh honestly i was most times i'm forced to do it because <laughs> <laughs> now i have colleagues like a table of you know um a table as in Kileshi, uh, alice who are very fond of me so they they want me to do it so they just want to have that glimpse of fun you know for me that kind of thing so i had to do it you know most times as. What does it feel like to share the word of Christ and um, the word of God to people, not just footballers, but people in general? It is life because the word of God is life. It gives hope, you know, it strengthens you, you know. Uh, So I enjoy doing it when I come in contact with you and I see someone that is, you know, broken. And I think the only way for me to give this person hope is to share my experience from what the word of god has helped me to do so i had to just pass it on to them so i enjoy that moment as well you know especially when you see them their life turn around later on so that could be the best testimony you want to have
0: on his football and his faith that's nigeria and kaiser chiefs goalkeeper daniel akpe speaking there to planet sport football africa's olwashina okaleji Well, now to the English Premier League and the UEFA Champions League. I'm joined by our European football expert, Stuart Weir, in the UK. And we have to start with Liverpool's incredible 5-0 win away to Manchester United last Sunday. Mohamed Salah becoming the top-scoring African player ever in the Premier League. And a lot of questions about Manchester United, about manager Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, and all this very painful for United fans, Stuart.
4: Well, yes, let's start with the fact that it was, as you say, a brilliant victory for Liverpool and that personal triumph for Salah, who not only became the African player who'd scored most in the Premier League, overtaking Didier Drogba, but he also became the first Liverpool player to score three goals at Old Trafford since 1936. And Liverpool, having beaten Watford, 5-0 5-0 last week became the second team in the Premier League ever to win consecutive away games by five goals. And remarkably, in 2021, Liverpool have scored 60 goals away from home and just 19 at Anfield. Great for Liverpool, but a complete disaster for Manchester United. As we mentioned last week, defensively, Manchester United just looked fragile. Liverpool attacked with pace and looked as if they could score at any time. For Manchester United, as well as the humiliation of losing 5-0 at home, it meant that United have taken one point from their last four league games, have lost five of their last nine games in all competitions. And incredibly, this was the tenth successive home game that Manchester United have not managed to keep a clean sheet. And the last time that happened was in 1971. The score... And that sequence of results is bad enough. But the way the Manchester United players capitulated made it so much worse. And despite the feeling that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has done a good job in raising the mood at Old Trafford after a difficult period under Jose Mourinho and, despite his popularity with the fans, support is growing for the view that Solskjaer is not capable of making Manchester United serious contenders for the Premier League or Champions League and that he will be replaced. Comments have been made. If you look at the managers of Chelsea, Liverpool and Manchester City, they're all heavyweight coaches with experience in some of the top teams in Europe, while Solskjaer's experience and achievements are limited and don't really compare. There's a clamour to bring in a coach like Antonio Conte, but equally Manchester United's board may be wary of that, remembering that Louis van Gaal and Jose Mourinho came with a very Good pedigree and reputation But neither of them brought success to the club Saturday's game at Tottenham And the following midweek Champions League game in Italy Could determine Solskjaer's fate
0: Yes, uh, quite a difficult looking game uh, Playing away to Tottenham uh, this weekend for United And uh, Stuart, uh, looking at uh, one of the smaller teams uh, Burnley signed the Ivorian Maxwell Corne For a joint club record fee And uh, he started really well for them Well, yes, but like so many players coming into the Premier
4: League, he struggled for game time. He's only had three starts in the league, uh, but has scored three goals, including two against Southampton last weekend. But despite his two goals, he was taken off before the end of the game. He's 25, born in Ivory Coast, but has played his entire career up until now in France, first for Metz and then for Lyon. And he played 184 league games for Lyon, scoring 31 goals. And he's had 23 appearances for Ivory Coast. Burnley, by the way, is in the north-west of England, near Manchester, with a population of just 70,000, one of the smaller towns or cities to have a Premier League club. But Burnley is a well-run club. Sean Dash has been manager for 10 years, initially bringing the club up from the Championship. They were relegated immediately, but promoted the following season, and the club has stuck with them. And he has kept them in the Premier League for the last six seasons. I can really see Corny flourishing there.
0: Yes, looks like uh, he might do well there. And uh, Stuart, the UEFA Champions League continues this coming Tuesday and Wednesday. And are plenty of African players featuring?
4: Yes, the uh, UEFA Champions League group stage has reached a halfway stage. There's still all to play for. Liverpool, Ajax, Bayern Munich and Juventus have started with three wins. At the other end of the spectrum, poor old Malmo from Sweden have played three, lost three, not scored at all and conceded 11. And two big clubs are really struggling with AC Milan from Italy having lost all three games and Barcelona having lost two out of three. There are 48 Africans who have appeared in the Champions League this season. 23 clubs have selected an African player and nine have not got any. The 48 African players are from 17 different countries, with Senegal and Morocco each having seven. But I particularly want to talk, Steve, about Sheriff Tiraspol in Moldova. Moldova is a small country in Eastern Europe, situated between Ukraine and Romania. Part of the country is Romanian-speaking, part of it Russian-speaking. It only has a population of 2.6 million, and Tiraspol just 130,000. Founded in only 1997, the club has qualified for the Champions League proper for the first time. You know, while clubs like Liverpool and Manchester United get straight into the last 32 by finishing uh, high up in their own league, have had to battle through four qualifying rounds to reach the same stage, and in a tough draw, They've already beaten Shakhtar Donetsk of Ukraine and Real Madrid. But what makes the Sheriff story remarkable is that their squad includes nine Africans and seven of those Africans have played in the Champions League. And in their 2-0 win over Shakhtar, their goals were scored by Adama Traore from Mali and Momo Yansani from Guinea. And in the qualifying rounds, Traore has scored five UCL goals In total this season, isn't it remarkable, Steve, where you find African players thriving?
0: Yeah, absolutely amazing there, the African representation at uh, Sheriff uh, Tiraspore. Uh, So Champions League continues Tuesday and Wednesday. And uh, Stuart, we've been talking about uh, FIFA's proposal for a World Cup every two years instead of every four years. And this story keeps on developing.
4: Well, it does actually look, Steve, as if the two-year World Cup is dead in the water. To start with, UEFA and uh, CONMEBOL, that's the South American Football Federation, said that their teams would not participate. So imagine having a World Cup without Brazil or Germany. But then, recently, the intervention of the International Olympic Committee seems to have been decisive. The IOC said that strong reservations had... And had been expressed by a number of international federations and a number of different sports as well as national football federations. The IOC pointed out that the impact on other major international sports could be catastrophic and that a doubling up of the World Cup could undermine diversity and the development of sports including football, but not exclusively football. They said in particular that they thought it would be bad for women's football. So it really does seem quite difficult in the light of opposition from UEFA, South American Federation and the IOC, that FIFA can go ahead with a two-year World Cup
0: plan. Well, they certainly tried very hard. And um, what else have you got for us, Stuart? Well... On Wednesday evening, West Ham beat Manchester City on penalties in
4: the EFL Cup, or the League Cup as it's often called, and that was City's first defeat in that competition since October 2016, having won it for the last four years. With Barcelona currently ninth in La Liga and having lost recently in El Clásico with Real Madrid and having lost two of their three games in the Champions League, the club this week parted company with head coach Ronald Koeman, after just a season and a half. Now, we've been talking about Mo Salah's scoring feats, but last Sunday was the tenth game in a row that Salah has scored for Liverpool. You know, we've talked from time to time about Chelsea's big money signings, but last weekend, their team included five products of the Chelsea Academy. Reese James, Ruben Loftus-Cheek, Mason Mount, Callum Hudson-Odoi, and... Trevo Chalaba, and in addition, Southampton's two goals were scored by Armando Boja and Tino Liveramento, both formerly members of the Chelsea youth squad. So it's not all big money signings. And finally, Steve, when Chelsea, managed by Thomas Tuchel, beat Norwich, managed by Daniel Farquhar, 7-0. It was the biggest ever win in the Premier League by a German manager and also the largest defeat ever inflicted on a German manager.
0: Oh, wow. So good for one of them and a bad for the other. Well, that's it for the show for this week. So from me, Steve Vickers in Harare, from Ida Waringa in Nairobi and from Stuart Weir in the UK, thanks very much for listening. And Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.